pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 307. Today I'm going to chat with Josh Silva from AR15.com discuss ATF intimidating home FFLs, highlight the new 2020 rimfire from Springfield, and talk about a bizarre policy from Best Pro Shops. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing incredible. It's I'm inside because I'm in Texas. So I'm not sweating <laughs> my butt off, so I'm doing much better than that. But, uh, yep. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Haven't you guys like had record heat waves? Like, Isn't it like in the triple digits? Yeah, we, like, we are, I think the coolest it gets now is like the high 80s at like one o'clock in the morning. But dang. it's been almost consistently like a hundred something. And literally the AC in my truck died. So now my truck just sits in the front of my yard. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm God. not driving that yeah. thing. And oh. so uh, it's been brutal. It's been at least down here. I don't know who all stuck in the air quotes, like heat dome. Yeah. But it's like a, apparently like a huge chunk of the South is we're all stuck in this BS. Wow. Crazy. I saw like a funny meme the other day where some girl posted. She was like, do they make hair ties for my boobs with all this like sweaty hot weather? <laughs> and I, I laughed because like I've always had like fairly big boobs, not to be inappropriate. And like yeah. the first thing that always sweats is your freaking boobs. And so anytime <laughs> I'm like out, you know, I've been doing a lot of yard work and I'm like, yeah, sure. it'd be real cool. Somebody, you know. Because your sports bra, you take it off. It's just like soaking oh, sure. wet. It's like so not sexy, but so the um, the uh, so I was in a previous life prior to me giving with AR15.com. Uh, I was a cop for four years, and of course, down here in Texas, it's I like didn't understand or appreciate I guess boob sweat or that whole experience. But yeah. we wore obviously like Kevlar vests and these vests in the summertime when it's 110. It was the first time I had complained to a female officer who was a little more blessed than most. And she goes, I don't want to hear shit. Like so yeah. what she told me. She's like, she's like, I'll do this in 75 degrees outside. I was like, I don't want to hear it from you. That's hilarious. Well, so, I'm glad you can kind of understand yeah, where we I have some some sympathy there at the very yeah. least. <laughs> All right. So before we start talking about this show, I want to talk about BSF barrels. I've spoke about their barrels. They're freaking awesome, but they also have some really cool compensators to go with them. The design goes perfectly with the style of their barrels, but they look great on other barrels too. They have long ports on the top two thirds of the comp for eliminating muzzle rise and additional ports straight out the front to help keep the recoil impulse linear. They're two inches long. And if you're ordering them with a BSF barrel, they can be pinned on a 14.5 inch barrel to be compliant for a rifle, which you could ask BSF barrels to do when ordering them together. They come in polished stainless steel and you can get them in half by 28 for 5.56 or half by 28 for nine millimeter and five eighths by 24 for 30 cal and under. I have them on both of my AR-10s which I'm going to go to the range here in the next couple of days. Really excited to try them out. But in the meantime, if you guys want to check it out or you're in the market for a compensator, head on over to bsfbarrels.com. Don't forget to use the code ELITE15, all one word, and that's going to give you 15% off your entire order. 
Archie, yeah. they have six millimeter arc barrels. Yeah, they have. I'm, I'm I'm a total nerd. So the second you mentioned it, I was looking on their website. A shout out to whoever did their video. It looks beautiful. I'm in marketing, so I get it. <laughs> this is wonderful. But I was like, oh, they have six millimeter arc. Yeah, they have my, some really my, nice stuff. My credit card's already yelling at me. I know. Well, <laughs> saying now. Okay, first of all, I mean, there's the coupon code, so you could save fifteen percent off. That is okay. true. That's <laughs> true. All right, let's get back into the show. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, so Josh, before we start talking about Air 15, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry. Like you touched upon, you know, that you were a cop before this, but did you do anything else like, you know, kind of surrounding guns and stuff? So me being, I guess I'm on the older end of millennials, but I didn't grow up in a house with guns like at all. I didn't, I, I maybe shot a gun once prior to being like 20. And um, when I went to college, of course, I did the whole college thing and I moved out and got an apartment and I was a broke college kid. Like I paid for it. I had to get loans out, whatever. I worked full time to go to college, but I had moved. I went from going to like a relatively suburban like life where my parents worked very hard for me to live in a decent neighborhood to like what I could afford on, you know, I I was making minimum wage back in the early two thousands. So like, what? (laughs) and so uh, I had finally first experienced what it was like to not be armed and live in like the ghetto ghetto. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, literally someone had followed uh, my girlfriend all the way up to my apartment door and she had to lock herself in and she was all freaked out. And when I showed up, because of course me being the idiot, I was a very young macho Mexican male. Right. So I show up thinking I'm going to do something, but it was like four guys. And that was the first moment I was like, I'm doesn't matter how, you know, the better part of 5'11", 230. And I worked out all the time back then. I was like, but I'm not fighting four guys. Like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Literally that month, I went off with whatever money I could go scrunch. And I bought, it was a Smith & Wesson SDE for, it's like their discount. Oh, the SDBE. Oh, yeah. It's like not the exciting, sexy pistol from, from Smith & Wesson. Yeah. They have the M&P line that I totally could have bought, but I was an idiot. I didn't know any better. Yeah. But I bought, and of course it was in 40, Smith & Wesson. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was 40. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I had problems back then. I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, I was the very first gun I ever bought. And I remember going through the whole process of going to the range, realizing that owning the gun is like half the problem. And so this was back in like like 2011 maybe mm-hmm. it was like the first time i'd ever owned and bought a gun and then finally i was very lucky i went to school at unt so i was up in denton texas and they had a couple of decent ranges around there and i learned some stuff I, I got better at doing this i bought ironically again not to go simp for smith and wesson but i bought a gen one shield back when it was like the bee's knees of concealed it's like for the kids that are listening now that don't know it was like the sig p365 of back then yeah it was the only single stack nine millimeter that was like small and didn't suck yeah i still own and carry that gun to this day periodically just for sentimental value but i started carrying that and i carried that all the way through until i became i graduated college in like 2015 and then i was a cop in my late 20s getting into being 30 like i am now and then recently I left and it was through like I learned how to build. I got to do obviously doing it for the government. I got to do a lot more firearms training and stuff like that. I got a lot more interested in it. I had a background in marketing prior to that. 
And um, I had done a lot of filmmaking and a lot of people call it producing. I'm using that very lightly, but it's like organizing how to get cast and how to write scripts and how to develop like marketing materials and then deal with business to business transactions. I got a lot of experience doing that while I was in college. And then I dabbled in it while I was a cop in my free time. And so when I got out, I was like, no longer a lot of people, veterans will have this experience or, or also again, people that are coming out of law enforcement agencies have this experience where like, you're very ornery now. Mm-hmm. Like I've watched and I don't, I don't know how deep into the weeds I can or want to get into it, but like you watch people, you're dealing with domestics. You see a lot of people die, you know, you deal with a lot of crime and stuff like that. So you end up being like really rough around the edges by the time you get out. Yeah. And, uh, I worked, uh, for a, for a few on the marketing side of things for like half a year, I would go and try to work for other organizations. And it was really, really hard. And I got very lucky that ARFCOM or AR15.com, we call it ARFCOM because that's what the community calls it. But they um, had an opening for a marketing position. And that's why I ended up being, I'm now their brand engagement manager. They love me because I, I build guns. Like I'm the idiot that's ruined like 80 polymer 80 lowers because I want to build <laughs> my own handgun. And even back like early days of Palmetto State Armory, it was cool because you could buy the receiver set and then you end up changing stuff and you're an idiot and don't know how to do it. So you break it half the time or you get your, I was not the buy once cry once kind of person. Mm-hmm. I was like, I I'd see something on YouTube and want one and go buy it and not realize I need to pick a Picatinny adapter or this is M lock versus like, I learned all of that stuff prior to getting there. And so yeah. that, that's how I ended up landing there in ARFCOM. I happened to be that weird mix of somebody with the marketing background that also like I've pointed guns at people before, but also like I build and I've carried now, I guess for, I guess like 12 years or something like that, 11 years of carried a gun. So hmm, nice. I I have to laugh because, you know, when you said that you bought the SDVE and mm-hmm. it, of course it was in 40. So the SDVE is like probably the only gun that Smith and Wesson has made where I'm just like, uh, absolutely not. It's like the high point of guns. A hundred percent. That was that was the I, I bought the bitone one. It was yeah. like the stainless steel top. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly I don't what I bought. I think I've ever seen them actually not in the stainless steel top. I think it's I think they've but all they might have only done that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, anytime a student comes in and they have that gun, I'm just like, uh, because it's just atrocious. And you can get it for like in the two to three hundred dollar range. And then of course it's always the 40. And yep. I said yep. this on my new podcast, Pew Pew Panel, it was like one of yeah. the first couple episodes. And I was saying, we were talking about like, you know, the mistakes that new gun buyers typically make yep. or like the really bad guns that people buy. And I said that, you know, usually they'll buy like the Sky Pistol, the High Point or a 40. And some guy on YouTube was like, this girl is such an idiot. Clearly a 40 isn't a type of gun. Like, yeah, I know that idiot. I'm just saying, you you know, any, (laughs) any new person typically gets ripped off by, you know, the person behind the counter. They're like, Oh, this is your first gun. They see a sucker and they're like, cool, we're going to unload these stupid forties on them because nobody else wants them. And then it it got into a huge fight on YouTube because people are like calling me dumb. And I'm just like, I'm not saying that like 40, you know, people shouldn't own 40s. I have a few 40s, but sure. it's not like my like go-to gun for self-defense. Well, and, and I think in your defense, in that instance, there's two reasons why I'll, I'll push back on that with you. And it's one, why is it that you can look at the SIG 226s that came out in 40 that are super on sale all the time? The mm-hmm. surplus guns, always super cheap. Uh, Glocks, if you have the Glock 23 and the Glock 27, if you ever get them in surplus, 
like a hundred dollars cheaper mm-hmm. than the than the seventeen or the nineteen, right? You can go look at the M and P line of pistols because you'll get a lot of police trade ins with those. Yeah, same thing. If it's in Forty Smith and Wesson, why is it? Why are they all cheaper? I know. If this is not the better version, right? I know. And not to dog again. That there are some merits to forty, right? And yeah. Then and I think a lot of people argue. Well, you might as well get a ten millimeter if you're going to go with forty, right? Or you might no. as well get a forty five, or so on and so forth. But like, I, I think most people have finally, especially shooters, uh, have landed on. I can pay less per bullet for nine millimeter or if i really care and i'm really wanting you know more stopping power xyz i can always go with either 10 millimeter or again 45 for those people that want uh, to suppress their guns and have it be almost naturally subsonic there's a bunch of different r40s like that very odd and it's really had uh, 300 blackout hasn't had that same experience but it is still that like weird happy medium where it's Mm -hmm. like i'm sure people buy them and I'm sure they do well, but there's a reason why most ARs are in 5.56. Or if you're going to step up to a 30 caliber bullet, you're just going to go get a 308 mm-hmm. uh, or bigger. It's the same thing with 40 Smith. Like it was a cool concept when it came out. And again, I, that was literally my very first handgun. So I can't judge anybody for doing it, but it came from a place of ignorance. It wasn't like, you know, I watched a couple of YouTube videos and Googled it for five seconds and bought the hype. And it was also much cheaper for me to buy that. Yeah, it was much cheaper that if I needed if I wanted the same gun in nine millimeter, I would have easily paid. And of course, young poor me was like, well, I'm not paying a hundred dollars for a smaller bullet. <laughs> you even, know? Yeah. Even though you end up paying more for the ammo. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, oh, when I did that, that was in 2012 where I'm trying to find ammunition in 2012, like an idiot. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was I don't know, It was a rough time. That's funny. <laughs> OK, so before we talk about AR15.com. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about gators. If you haven't checked out gators iPro yet, you definitely need to like do your eyes a favor. They have really cool frames, but in addition to that, it's just something that is rated really highly for ballistic purposes. The last thing you want to do is put your eyesight in danger they have like the mil spec ballistic lens that are rated to take a hit from a 15 caliber projectile at 700 feet per second without cracking, which is pretty impressive. So basically that means like a high speed ricochet can hit it and they won't crack. They're also easy to custom fit so that you can fit it to your face, your head accordingly, and then lots of different colors and and different frames to choose from. If you want to check it out, head on over to gators.com forward slash Ava. Make sure you use that URL because if you do, then you're going to get 15% off. And again, that is gators, G-A-T-O-R-Z.com forward slash A-V-A, all one word, obviously, and that gets you 15% off. So let's talk about AR-15 and how AR-15.com came about because you guys have a very impressive website. And from my understanding, it's one of the largest gun communities around, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the, the I'll give you the fastest version of, because there, there was a lot of twists and turns and in, in, I guess the inception of this. And I've gotten to meet one of the founders. And and now, unfortunately, one of the founders is, is deceased, but um, his widow, wonderful person. I love sharing to death if she ever hears this. But um, the website itself started off as a mailing list. So this was in 1996, way back in the day, back when all you had was Armalite rifles and then maybe like Colt making AR-15s. Well, also, um, not to cut you off or anything, but this is also yeah. when the assault weapons ban was in place. Didn't that come into effect yep. like in 1994? Yep. 
Yeah, so basically Clinton in 94 goes and does the assault weapons ban. So really all you had was either uh, you couldn't really do new manufactured, but you could do legacy ARs. But there was still plenty of surplus that would come out because it was still manufactured back then. And there wasn't as big a want for ARs at the time in the civilian market. So anytime surplus would come out, they'd get kicked around a gun store or whatever or go sit in a warehouse and nobody would really buy them. Uh, they were also like prohibitively expensive. So you got to imagine in like the mid nineties, how much a $1,500 rifle was the incredibly expensive in the nineties. Well, they basically coalesced into a mailing list where there was a lot of people that would get interested. They would go to ranges that the Avila brothers who founded the, the website itself, they would go to ranges and they would go, they were very into the gun culture. And a lot of people had questions and they would, of course, it's the nineties. They would email each other questions about, Hey, where do you get a different handguard? Or does anybody else make, you know, how do I rebarrel this thing? I've shot it out. Mm -hmm. And so it started off with, well, screw it. We're just going to make an automated mailing list where every single time we get some information, we disseminate it. They were as close to a thing as at least open subject matter experts that were wanting to help other people with these questions as possible. And so they, prior to YouTube and all of these other places, all they had was mailing lists. And so the mailing list started off with like, I think less than a thousand people. And then it like exploded over the next couple of years. Uh, they started doing like group buys. They started doing some other stuff and it came into being maybe not the version that you see today, but the initial version of the website itself, AR15.com. They were still back up in New York back when that happened. They got as big as having like a storefront. They started like making guns to sell. They started uh, Magpul. I know Rock River Arms. Just a couple of firearms manufacturers now and accessories manufacturers that actually started and sold their first couple of products on the website which is pretty awesome. But they grew, uh, eventually the safe fact passed in New York. So they left and ended up coming here to Texas. And then they are, as they are now, they're, they're the, the front page is what they call themselves, or I guess what we call ourselves of the firearms industry. And, uh, it's weird. I, I'll go to shot show this past year. I got to go to shot show and I'd interview it is everybody from like T-Rex arms all the way over to like guys at Midwest industries or whatever. And almost everyone I talked to was like, Oh yeah, I have a secret account. Like I, I have an account that's not my name. Yeah. And if, for most of them, they like to see how people like are experiencing their products. They like to ask questions. And really there, what's blown my mind is like, you can get everything from like a reloading recipe all the way down to like, I want to put a can on my AK. What should I use? And have like the engineers that design the cans that are responding to your question. You won't know that right off the bat every time, but like, it's pretty incredible. The amount of the wealth of knowledge you have and it's bajillions of threads. You have everything from general discussions where there's like general debauchery you could imagine in the firearms industry. Yeah. What's going to happen? Them all talking about, you know, guns going off in holsters and all this kind of nonsense all the way to like the more technical side. And, and you can talk directly to um, the manufacturers themselves and ask questions and technical specs. And a lot of the innovation that's probably happened, especially as you're starting to push towards like the civilian market and how the industry handles the civilian market has come from here. Hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. I, I think being much more new, me personally, being a much more new as a user, I can see where people might get frustrated on the, it's a forum and a lot of people aren't used to web forums, but it's really cool. And then now, like, as we're transitioning over to having a YouTube and a Twitter account, and then there's me shit posting on Instagram. <laughs> so they, hmm. 
they uh, are part of it now. And the newer push that we've been doing is trying to engage people on these newer platforms. Uh, they own, as far as web traffic, I think we own like the top 3% of web traffic on any firearms related site. Wow. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And I'm just, so I'm on your website right now and there's discussion forums that are broken down between like AR-15, AK-47, handgun, mm-hmm. all the way up to like training, general, industry. And so I clicked on industry just to kind of see. And I mean, you guys have like almost every freaking AR manufacturer listed. And yeah. wow, this is actually pretty crazy. This is like the Reddit for like gun nerds, you know? It's 100% that. Yeah. And and what I liked about and and really it it wasn't as appreciated, I think, like 15 years ago to the general public. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the, for gun people, this has always been the mecca. Like for gun people, ARFCOM forums is like where it was the Bible. Like that was the gospel. If, if it existed on those forums and the opinion of those forums was the truth. Now, what's really different is it's also like not there's not like a platform trying to say you, well, you can't talk about firearms. You can get whole ass tutorials on how to do an 80% lower AR, like drill depth and how to do finishing. We're in a lot of times like places like Reddit and stuff like that, that that's immediately mm-hmm. can't like you can't do that. Or it's a violation of terms of service. Uh, there are, we are a public forum. Uh, so there are some rules as far as like, we can't have people promoting like violence against others and things of that nature. But, and shout out to the staff if they ever get a chance to see this. I'm sure some of them will, uh, but they do have a lot of volunteer staff that tries their best to moderate. Uh, there's millions upon millions of probably pages on this thing. So there's no way they get to everything, but yeah, they try to keep it so that uh, we keep uh, the the glowies out of there and yeah. make sure they don't have anything weird going on. But this um, is, yeah, this it's is cool. like pretty crazy. And also, I mean, even with like YouTube right now, so yep. they've taken down all kinds of, tutorial videos on like how to put together like a polymer 80 and i mean even i think gun cleaning stuff like there's they've cracked down on so much that it just sucks for like the beginner who's like well i don't know how to put together an ar-15 i know a lot of people are doing it so it must be kind of easy but i don't even know where to start and it's not like you get like a manual that you can just okay especially when it's like all these different pieces are slightly different and stuff we just had to put uh Midwest industry handguards on an AK. We had an M70. Just mm-hmm. We were in the office the other day and I literally thought to myself, I was like, man, see, I used to do YouTube videos for this kind of stuff. And it like <laughs> required a hammer and a bit of sawing and a, and a device to make it fit. Because <laughs> that's, that's just how AKs are. AKs yeah. are their own weird little creature. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of people didn't grow up in like the golden age of social media where they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And you, you had like whole, there was one guy, I think he was a, a former Marine but he, uh, the guy would show you how to do a polymer 80, like how to, where to drill, how to drill, what tools you should get for it to be better. It's incredible. He had a, I was like Puerto Rican. I love that guy. But he helped me build like my first two, it was him and Tactical Toolbox wow. that helped me build my first two or three polymer 80s until I figured out what I was doing. Yeah. And um, yeah, like this is completely owned by us for us to make sure that this place stays as free as it can be mm-hmm. but it really is like a resource for that and also like there's there's like hometown forums where like let's say you're part of the like atlanta area and you want to meet like other i call them real firearms enthusiasts because there's people that'll like purchase a gun and own a gun and then there's people where it's like a fundamental almost religious freedom for them where it's like no like this is really the mark of me still being a free person 
Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's a there's a separation in that in our community at least of the people say, well, I think guns are cool, right? Like I play Call of Duty and think guns are cool, or I bought one because I didn't feel safe. And then there's like, no, bro, like this is the hill I die on, kind of guys. Yeah. Or a lot of people that are like also like one policy voters, and it it, it stops and begins at the Second Amendment, and mm-hmm. so. It's pretty cool. They'll have it uh, like here for DFW. Like we're doing a cigar launch uh, this Saturday, actually. And uh, we'll tell them they can, we, obviously we can tell them here on the website, but we have social media for that kind of stuff. So you get to find like, Hey, where's a cool range. I'm new from out of town. Right. I've moved from out of state to here. Where can I go shooting? Or like where are the cheapest FFL rates <laughs> for transfers and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Hmm, very cool. And then also, so I clicked on the ARFCOM little button. And so there's team membership. So what does that mean? Because there's like a bronze, a gold, and a platinum. So to have like, to basically do post, most of it comes down. So there's the EE, we call it the EE. It's the equipment exchange, uh, mm-hmm. which is like if you want to trade and where it's legal and we're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, if you want to trade uh, for guns or if you want to trade like equipment, so people have like night vision or whatever it is that they're trying to trade. It's just a basically an establishing account. And I think it's going to be based on like what, um, like the type of account you want to go have. And I'm, I'm again, I think to my understanding, because I got one for free because I'm staff and I work here for a living, uh, it's going to be like your bronze membership will allow you to interact uh, with a certain amount of the uh, website and it'll allow you to do, I believe it should give you access to EE and things of that nature. Nice. Uh, we're really like your platinum membership. I believe it's just more data that you can host on the website itself. Hmm. Uh, we keep servers for this website so that everyone can remain as anonymous as it can be on the internet. And so we don't have people like Google scrubbing it for your information and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. and uh, we used to have lifetime memberships, but I think those are, those are gone. I'd ha- you'd have to ask somebody more important than me to find out what's going to happen with those. Yeah. Gotcha. So the team membership, so is this like a, a monthly membership? Or? Uh, no, I believe it, it's annual. And okay. like anybody can come and use the website. I would argue it's probably like 50-50. Yeah. Uh, probably a lot of our website traffic comes from non-members that just want to get in the, because you can interact with the forums as anybody. But as far as like maintaining, especially when you start to get into like arguments, I want to call them arguments. Uh, if you're not a member, like it doesn't hold any of your data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you'll get some of these guys that have like 200,000 like comments oh on, a, on a thread or stick wild because they've been members for 20 years or yeah and so uh you hold a little bit more weight i'm sure in the online discussions and then also kind of like similar to like uh, uh ebay if you want to call it that like if someone's had that many transactions you're like oh this guy's probably legit but if you're like brand spanking new and you're like hey dog do you want to go trade me for this lower and you're like nah dog you glow like, there's no way there's no way i'm trading with you so it's, it's a way of uh, uh maintaining anonymity while still able to have i guess some level of street cred on here hmm. i love it all right taking another quick break talking about mantis Do you have any experience with Mantis by chance? Uh, yeah, really. The, so their Blackbeard was the first product I got to mess with. I remember seeing commercials for, uh, they used to have an underbarrel. I'm sure they still sell it, but it was like an underbarrel pistol trainer for dry fire. And it would tell mm-hmm. you, you know, how much you're deviating per trigger pull. But um, the first one that like really struck me and I was like rushed to go get my hands on it. I thought it was awesome. It was the Blackbeard. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Like yeah. it's, it's resetting your trigger. 
is giving you trigger pulls. And really for an AR, I think it's like undervalued mm -hmm. of like, it's one thing, like it's annoying. We all do the whole, like when we're shooting our pistols that you have to like rack your pistol every other time. Yeah. Racking a charging handle that like really truly. It's even more annoying. Well, but it's also like hard on the gun. Yeah. Like the char charging handles really aren't designed to be used that often. Even your super expensive, like radian charging handles, like that's a small piece of aluminum that you're racking a bunch and you're pulling on really hard. And so uh, there's some manufacturer somewhere that I'm sure is going to grumble at that comment, but it's I was, true. Well, I was just about to say, I was like, <laughs> yeah. huh, I actually didn't know that. Like at first I was like, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, did I know that? But it does kind of make sense because the it's charging handle really yeah. is like just, it's pretty small. If you ever take one out, next time you break down a gun that you shoot a lot, I don't care how nice your charging handle is, you'll see a ton of wear. Yeah. On that versus if you look at the inside of a slide and you'll have, again, I have a Glock that's got well over 10, 15,000 rounds in it mm -hmm. that doesn't really have that bad aware in it. But if you look at a charging handle and it's just the nature of the beast and like, obviously the higher a quality, like your fit to it is on your upper receiver, the more you're pulling on that charging handle, the more you're going to just slowly remove material off of one side or the other side of that charging handle. It's just the nature of the design. Yeah. But the Mantis really, the Blackbeard really it resets your trigger for you, which is yeah. like magical because you I don't know. have to do that. And it's also like on a rifle, you're going to be doing two to three round like strings of fire anyways. And uh, really, I think the biggest value for it was height over bore. One of the things that I was talking to, I actually went and interviewed, I, th I think it was Dave. You can go look it up on our YouTube. I, I did their booth for SHOT Show. We interviewed a bunch of people during SHOT Show. And uh, I was lucky enough to do it this past year. And they ran me through a drill they're going to come out with black beards for AKs, which I'm super jonesed about, but um, you're shooting. He had like a bunch of pieces of tape and you would transition from target to target. And it was able to give me not only split times, but like how much more efficiently I could have been. Mm -hmm. And it would like follow my board. It was really cool. He pulled up an iPad and showed me like suck less. Right. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't appreciate is hide over bore when shooting the rifle is an issue and especially like not even with like night vision height optics just regular red dots are like four inches or three inches above your barrel mm -hmm. and if you're shooting inside of 25 yards or inside of 50 yards height over board matters and of all of the tools that not only help you with obviously there's the dry fire aspect of it it's practicing aiming and a, a like i guess accommodating for height over bore with rifle shooting and that it was like a weirdly unique tool for that and i thought it was by far one of the most well thought out uh, i know some people had issues I, I think with like the magazines and stuff like that but they're doing a really good job elise shout out to her if she gets to hear this um, i love that lady yeah but, she's uh, really cool their their back end on staff is like second to none i've never <laughs> had any issue and i deal with all the brands if, if, if yeah. it is a brand you can think off in the top of your head that's a bigger name i've probably dealt with them at least once yeah and uh, their backend staff's awesome, like yeah. customer service and all that stuff. They're really good people. Absolutely. If you guys want to check out Mantis, head on over to mantisx.com. You guys also have a gear deal section. And I'm imagining with all of the people, all the companies that are on your website, are you guys just having somebody out there like seeking out the best deals from like, you know, Brownells, uh, Primary Arms, Palmetto State? It's funny you say that. I put all those deals there. So oh. basically, literally, literally, I am the deals guy. That so someone you is look, you. If, if you click, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, the top row all the way on the right here, there's like a five magazine. It's SKH. Shout out to Delta Team Tactical for having cheap magazines. 
but it's posted by and it'll say Joshua Soar, and that's my Arfcom account. Mm. But uh, I like 90% of these are going to be by me directly. I have a lot of contacts uh, that are going to be there. I'll have people from like Shooting Surplus or Primary Arms or Brownells. And they just email me directly and they say, hey, here's all the deals that we're running. And I'll curate those deals and post them here. And then we also have, uh, you can subscribe to an email list where I send it out biweekly. The best deals from this page get sent to there. And it's typically like I'm fact-checking these against other like gun dot deals and places like that. I ensure it's the best deal I could find. Mm-hmm. Or if it's especially like uh, this always happens with the surefire war comp or the surefire um, just muzzle devices in general, they're almost never in stock. Mm-hmm. And so if I see it in stock anywhere, I'll post it here typically. So uh, we're not the only ones that do this. I know like Mr. Guns does this. There's a couple of other people that do stuff like this, but we've curated this page now for like the past like year and a half. Nice. And so this thing gets updated practically daily. This is what I I subscribe to a few of these emails. And I'm telling you, it like kills my wallet because I shouldn't even open it anymore. But I'm just like, well, I'm in the industry. I need to know what's going on. And then I find a deal that's just like just too good to be true. And I'm just like, man, I'm just I'm going to do it. I need one of those things. I've been wanting it for a while. It's a good price. And then I just end up buying it. But it's it's there. There are significant others I've definitely upset in this for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, am, I, I am the I am the toxic uh, third wheel in somebody's relationship somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like I, I like if you're gonna spend money, like try to be as efficient as you can be with yeah. this. Like the, the industry is a cool place, and 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 I'm I'm. I come from a Christian background and I believe in like value, like the wife, I, I love and adore my wife and I do everything to try to make sure that, that I'm putting her first. And I, I think that those things are important, mm-hmm. but like she totally gets it that like I, if I have a, a, an ailment, it's that I'm very addicted to gun stuff. Yeah. And so it makes it easier to buy things if you're getting good deals on them. Cause then they're a little less upset with you. Like, well, at least you shopped. Exactly. You didn't just burn money for no good reason. You went and shopped and got the best possible deal you could for the thing you wanted to get. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go check out go check out our deals page. It's it's I personally do me and uh, shout out to Wes. Uh, he's our email guy. He does a lot of our email uh, marketing and stuff like that. He's he's been my right hand man for getting this thing uh, put together. Nice. All right. Cool. Well, wrapping it up. Do you guys have any like future plans that you can share with us? Uh, yes, so we just launched our reviews channel. So like everyone else and their mother, uh, we're doing gun <laughs> reviews and things of that nature so you can look it up. Uh, we do have a news channel on YouTube uh, where we cover news. Andrew, I think that one's up to like 100 and almost 60,000 subs. So he's out there doing, he does the news bi-weekly. So he'll do like on Tuesdays, I believe it releases uh, for the news that happened over the weekend. And then I think on Thursday, it'll be what happens during the week. We'll be doing gun reviews. Uh, we have some training stuff that's going to be coming out. And then uh, if you want, you can follow us on Instagram is where I oftentimes share a lot of the deals that I'll pull from the deals page because that's the only place I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then on Instagram and places like that, all the meta-based places where we're getting canned anyways, yeah. <laughs> we're still there and we're posting, but we'll make announcements there. But I, I really do plan to try to make – we're like a landing place for most places in the industry – whether it's you know Brownells or SKD or Midwest or or somebody like that, and then there's influencers like you you yourself you have a pretty big influence in and you have your audience within the Second Amendment community and I'd like to start bridging the gap between industry and influencers and in what's less of a shilly way 
Mm-hmm. If I can, if I can put on an event or a shooting experience where it's like, well, no, they're not getting paid. I'm just hosting an event and I'm inviting this person. I think it allows the audience to to consume the information and like the influencer can be a lot more honest without like burning a bridge yeah. or upsetting somebody that's doing something. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make my job and really personally what I'm tasked with is aligning those interests. It's there, there's people that want to engage the industry, right? Whether it's purchasing guns or getting educated or, or advocating you know, people like FPC and stuff like that. But there's only so many dollars and thank you, Joe Biden, but there's only so many dollars going around now, especially with the, how the hard the economy is. And it's like, how do I make that more efficient? We can have the cool gun experience or like the entertaining stuff. It, it requires money. All of this stuff requires money and time and effort and skilled people to go do how do I get all of those things to align in a way that everyone kind of wins? Mm-hmm. And so really, and I, I'm really lucky that like my management and not only the owners of AR15.com, but like everybody kind of in between above my head has been really supportive in us trying to reach out and make those relationships. Heck, this is an aspect of that. I reached out to you on, I think on Twitter mm-hmm. to be yeah. on this, but they gave me the leash and the latitude to be like, hey, go find people, go collaborate, go reach out. Because if they have good ideas, we can leverage that. Yeah. We have the industry context to make a lot of that stuff happen. Heck, uh, gun stock's going to be in September. And the last time we did it was like 20 years ago. And it was the only place where you could go and shoot. It was basically like uh, very similar to like um, a shot show where you get to show up and interact with brands, but you could go shoot their guns right then and there. Yeah. Uh, and you could buy them right then and there. And there's no events where you can go not only show up, shoot it, talk to the owner, and then buy the gun in one place. I think they had like 20,000 people show up last time they did it. I'm nervous about that. I hope that does. I mean, the organizers are going to be like, I hope that's what happens. But I was like, I have to work that event. I hope not. Yeah. But um, I thought about going to that, but I'm like, cool. It takes place in Arizona. It's going to be hot as hell. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, and so, the, yeah, we're going to have this year's gun stocks going to be in uh, Waxahachie. It's going to be at ETTS where they're literally like bulldozing stuff to make room for it. But uh, yeah, this year in September, it's going to be hot. I'm, I'm a little nervous about it being hot. But I'm excited. They're going to do night shooting with night vision. TNBC is putting up a thing for that. Uh, we're going to have people like Hux Works out there. Triarch just signed on to go do some cool stuff. We have some long range bays for people to go shoot guns. And it'll be a cool event. I just like it because it's like for the people. Yeah, it will. It's not. You and I will go to stuff where it's like designed for industry. Again, SHOT Show is a great example of this. That everyone that I talk to is like, oh my God, you got to go to SHOT Show. I was like, no, 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 no. I slept four hours a day and had to go talk to a bunch of people. I was like, it's much less exciting than it seems. And like, as a person, you don't really have a lot of interest there because most of it's industry. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be Trijicon filling orders, or this is going to be police departments trying to make orders and stuff like that. But this was like, Hey, let's come out and let's go shoot guns and go buy merch and go hang out. Who's putting on gun stock? Is this? That'll be us. Yeah. We're putting it on. Interesting. I'll I'll try to find a way and I'll share I'll share a link with you later whenever this thing goes live and we can yeah. put it in there. But yeah, Gunstock will be I think registration's open now for it. So uh Gunstock will be in September. It's like September, like the third week of September. It's whatever that weekend is. We will look it up. Yeah. But um Yeah, because I have gun- been I've been hearing about it quite a bit, but I wasn't sure who was putting it on. And then actually Franklin Armory was talking to me about it. But you know, it's like it's so hard to play on everything. And then well, you're that's like, the thing. It's like, like for those of you listening, in case you didn't know, so I am a small portion 
of Ava's schedule, right? <laughs> That's going to be for today, right? And we'll go put it on and this will go to an editor or whatever. But just like me, I'm sure you've had meetings all week yeah. or you've had events that you've had to go to or you yes. had promises that you made like in September of last year that yes. are finally coming to fruition now. So like, where you're also like your day, you're, you're like, okay, I have an open window here. I yep. have 45 minutes. And then, yep. and then you're like, you look back and you're like, I haven't even scheduled. I need a, a dentist cleaning. Like my teeth yeah. cleaned. That was yep. like overdue by like three months. Cause your, your schedule gets so hectic. So, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I schedule like in my schedule, like dates with the wife, like yeah. no, no bullshit. Like I'm like, Hey, like, I love you. Like we're going to have breakfast this day with just you and me. Yeah. And I promise I'll leave my laptop at home. <laughs> so, but it's, that's how busy, especially when you're on this end of uh, it's the, the programmatic side of the industry. It's like even just an influencer, right? Like, you got meetings with brands and you've got meetings with people mm-hmm. and like it, it's not as glamorous as a lot of people make it out. Everyone no, makes fun it's of not. me. It's... They, they find out what I do for work. Oh, you, you just shoot guns and have fun. I was it, like, Dude, exactly. I, I work 80 hours a week. Easy. Yeah. Easy. No, that's, that's, I was actually just talking to uh <laughs> Rainier arms earlier this morning about it. And cause I was like, honestly, I wear so many hats. Like it's, yeah. It's just really because, you know, I also I'm a firearms instructor. I write for a lot of publications. I have two podcasts now. Like I am all over the place and I just kind of have to not think too much into it and just plan it, you know, just take it moment by moment. So but it's it's a lot of I I think if people could appreciate and see what all goes into producing a lot of that stuff, even just in teaching a class, you're like, do I have targets? Yeah. Do I have staples for my targets? Do I have extra ear pro? Because I know somebody's going to forget it. Yeah. Am I bringing extra whatever? Do I have in case somebody has a squib load? Like there's. Yeah. Did no, the range okay my time there? Yeah. No, there's a is, lot to think about is, and stress about. Am I going to get a student that like is just, you can explain it 50 different ways and they're still not going to understand it. And are did, they, you did, know. Did did my liability insurance expire? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like there's so many things. I'm with you. Yeah. Can you let listeners know where they can find AR15.com? <laughs> I know that obviously on the website, but like also social media handles and all that good stuff. Uh, sure. It's going to be AR. It's going to be so on meta based because you can't put dots. It's going to be AR15COM, uh, which is going to be weird. But on, on Twitter, you can just put AR15.com and it'll it will be the only thing that really shows up but we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook i i, I love my facebook people but y'all are like the that's like the hardest platform to engage with for yeah. me and then we're on a couple of different youtubes if you just find um ar15.com you can either do the main channel we call it the main channel it's the news but that is attached to it if you ever go to sub channels a lot of channels can do this now it's a multi-channel network you'll see our reviews channel that we just launched and you'll be able to see uh, some of the other stuff that we're doing there. But it's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is the big ones that you have. That's not the website itself. All right. Perfect. So guys, go give them a follow. And now moving on with the rest of the show, before we do, let's hear from one of our sponsors, IWI. Last fall, I got the Tavor X95 SBR, and I was like, I definitely wanted the SBR version. Not like it's that big to begin with, but I just wanted the SBR version. And the SBR version has a 13-inch barrel, and it's 
only 22.8 inches overall. It comes with a modular Tavor pistol grip that you can swap for a standard pistol grip if you want. They have a new fire control pack compared to earlier Tavors with a five to six pound trigger pull. And the mag release is ambidextrous in a traditional AR-15 location. The forearm comes with Picatinny rails at the three, six and nine o'clock position with removable rail covers. The charging handle, it's almost been moved closer to your center mass for easier charge. I added the curved butt pad in Optimus 4N from Manicore Arms on mine as of just recently, which I've been meaning to do for the last couple of months, but I finally got around to doing it. So if you want to check this out, head on over to IWI.us. Remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order. Oh, so does it say what? A Tavor? Do you, I don't know if you remember this. So back in the 90s, when you had a Porsche, it was like the biggest of flexes. Mm-hmm. It was like, like because mm-hmm. you again, there's Mercedes, there's, there's Corvettes, and, and those are all nice cars, right? But like if you were like some hotshot lawyer and wanted to like flex on people or like flex on like the concierge valet, you showed up in a Porsche, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's a, that's a Tavor of, of like duty rated guns, like rifles specifically. Yeah. Tavor is just that weird. Like you get the guys that have like the really nice ARs, you'll get like the AK dudes, right? There's knuckle dragon AK guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the Tavors just have, I don't know what it is. And, and I'm not much of a bullpup guy myself. But Tavor's, and I've dealt with, I've had some hands-on time with the Hellion. Um, I've had some hands-on time with um, the AUG. And they're cool guns. Like, it's, it's a cool concept. But the Tavor, for some odd reason, and I don't, maybe it's just marketing and I'm a sucker for this, IWI does a really good job with their marketing. Yeah. But uh, the Tavor's a flex. It is. It's, it's, never, I get annoyed because I can never really put my finger on why. And same yeah. thing with the Porsches back then. But it, there was just like a subtle, like, yeah, I'll take a mag on that. Like I'll shoot a mag. And yeah, yeah. I shoot guns for a living. Yeah. And normally like I've said no to so many times on shooting a gun just because I'm like, dog, I'm good. Yeah. That one, I'd say it's, it's a lot more rare that you go and pass up on that. And it's like actually practical. You'll get these guys. They'll do it with like a, like a desert Eagle. Like, sure. I'll take a squeeze, like a trigger squeeze or two. Yeah. But like, I don't know that I'd ever own one of these, but it was like everyone that owns one. It's like, if I had space in my garage, I would totally have one of these yeah. things. But it's, it's a nice uh, – also one of the guns that, like, I think actually makes sense at the price point. Like, it's not a cheap rifle for mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. But, like, it actually makes sense why it costs that. There's a lot of uh, – and I won't name names on some of that stuff. But uh, there's a lot of companies that they're, they have – I'll call it some audacity to sell some of their yeah. guns at the prices they do. But I think it's, like, a pretty reasonable price for what it is. And, and I think it's a really competitive rifle. It makes – it, and to this day, it was one of the early adopters of the bullpup design, but it made it more relevant, I think, in a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. That it was like, oh, okay, like, is it going to be a super sexy guys who triggered? No, but like the weapons platform made way more sense from the, the iterations that came out of IWI with the Tavor than it did anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Politics. What is going on in the world today? All right, guys, today in politics, ATF is intimidating at home FFLs. We've been hearing about the widespread zero tolerance policy of the ATF regarding the simplest of clerical errors with the blessing of the Biden administration for quite a while now. Now they're taking it a step further and pressuring at home FFLs. Tom Harris has been selling guns from his 
Louisville, Texas home for 30 years. He's so respected and loved by his customers that one literally gave him a kidney to save his life when he was dying of kidney failure. He's had zero problems on his FFL over 30 years, except for a minor procedural error back in 2007 when his failing eyesight caused penmanship errors to make the serial numbers harder to read. His wife took over that and everything has been perfect since. He is one of the largest home-based dealers in the country with more than 10,000 customers and 184,000 firearms sold, which is a freaking lot for a home-based FFL. That is a lot. Yeah. He does so much business that he even sells to dealers that sell at gun shows. That's most likely why ATF is going after him. They want to eliminate the gun show loophole that obviously doesn't exist. Every gun sale from a dealer at a gun show has to be logged through the system, but the ATF wants to shut it down. This started a year ago when two agents asked him about multiple firearms he had sold to an individual. That individual later sold the guns at a gun show. That individual also happened to be in the process of obtaining his FFL. Harris has documented statements through his lawyer of the agent saying that he was cleared of any wrongdoing. A few months later, the ATF contacted him and said he needed to give up his license voluntarily or who would face adverse actions. He refused, and last month they served a notice of revocation stating that on 10 occasions he, quote, willfully aided and abetted a non-licensee in dealing firearms, end quote, and on 46 occasions, quote, willfully made a false statement. Literally, he did nothing wrong, and because they retroactively changed the rules on who is required to be an FFL to sell a firearm, so they could call the individual an unlicensed dealer, they're revoking his FFL. Harris refused to surrender his FFL and is fighting them in court. This comes right after another home-based FFL received a call that the ATF wanted to talk to him before he went to a gun show. The man, a pastor and teacher, said sure he'd be home. They showed up with 15 agents in armor and AR-15s and immediately handcuffed him. Similar to Harris, his only history of problems was with penmanship. They yelled at him and harassed him for about an hour that what he was doing was wrong. He was afraid that he would lose his job as a teacher if he was charged with a felony and said, if you want my FFL, you can have it. That was exactly what they wanted and already had the surrender forms ready. They then seized all of his firearms, including more than 50 personal guns, which are worth thousands of dollars. After they took everything, they called the agent in charge, Special Agent Theodore Mongol. Yeah, Mongol, M-O-N-G-E-L-L, and said it was safe to come up. Mongol told Fincher, you're done. We have to shut down. You tell all of your FFL buddies we are coming for them. We are shutting the gun shows down. ATF then has like refused to answer any questions on either case. Both of these recent instances have zero justification for actions of the ATF. And obviously, I think it shows kind of a disdain for the Second Amendment and blatant attempts to eliminate any FFLs as the lawless ATF leadership can get away with. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll read about stuff and I'm like, well, I guess I can kind of see like if you're writing down approval numbers wrong or something like that. But like this is especially for the guy to sell that many guns have zero errors other than, you know, a few penmanship errors and Mind you, some people might be thinking like, oh, well, 
why would you keep a book like a log book where you have to write everything down because if your penmanship isn't great, then just put it on the computer. But you are still required to have some sort of log book where you yep. are writing things down. So there's not really any way to avoid that. And I think that the older you get, the worse your penmanship gets, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. I I, 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 I always like to say I have a doctor's penmanship. Yeah. The doctor's uh, income. Right? <laughs> it is. I know. And not to mention, I mean, nowadays where we type everything or text everything, yeah. um, I think even as a result, it's even getting worse than even like our parents, you know, signatures yeah. and penmanship was. But yeah, pretty scary, especially because like I have my own, I have two FFLs and I'm like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's just a matter of time before they, you know, before I hear from them, especially since I'm reporting about them and, sure. and how ridiculous they're being. I just, uh, I just had to apply for an FFL. It's going to be great. I hope they don't look this up, <laughs> but, they, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm protected by the first amendment, allegedly that I can say how I feel about a lot of this stuff, uh, Yeah, but uh, coming from. And it's a little frustrated. So, so I loved the job I had while I was a cop. I, I, I went to go do it because I really thought I was going to be able to make a difference. And you can, mm -hmm. I, I think at the municipal level, you can, but I will say a lot of times when I read these stories, so much of this stuff, and, and I'd be curious to see, and again, this is a lot of anecdotal evidence on what actually occurred. However, the charges are not, the charges are very legitimate, right? Like these are easily public, publicly accessible or whatever. Yeah. But like so much of this is policy driven. Like you don't get like a, a great example of this is uh, so I was a cop in Arlington, Texas. And so they didn't want us enforcing panhandling, right? Like they said, you know what? I know it's technically against the law in Texas, but I don't want you enforcing it. So procedurally, I wouldn't do it. Same thing with like uh, the use of the taser is a great example. They made it a use of force. So it was the same paperwork to pull my taser out as it was to pull my gun out way less people started pulling their taser out right <laughs> so when that was a thing so like it's it's the attitude and the behavior of individual officers is going to be indicative of what their leadership's trying to tell them to do yeah i, I generally speaking in, in in the times that i've had to deal with the atf or you have you have auditors and stuff like that you'll have people that get it Right. They're like, look, man, like if you guys aren't a thing, we're not a thing. Like I, if with if FFLs didn't exist, what the hell would we do? Mm -hmm. But like at the same time, I, I do think you're starting to see more often than not. And this goes almost all the way down to the local level. It's a big reason what pushed me out of wanting to be in law enforcement is it stopped being about. And I was a cop through COVID, which was not no. at all. <laughs> but yeah. the. the it stopped becoming about peacekeeping or it stopped becoming about going after bad guys. And it was about enforcing policy, Yeah, which is different than law, right? Like, like policies, someone thinks it should be done this way or someone thinks it, it. And so this is where, again, clerical errors or, you know, the, the manner in which you're, you're advertising for a product or the manner of which like you're an armed person of the state going out and enforcing a policy that nobody gets to vote on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like nobody gets to do anything on you're just going out and under the threat of violence you're saying you're going to do it or else and I, and I think that's where it becomes a problem when you're a regulatory agency or just an agency that has armed agents right that goes out and goes and bullies people to go do stuff that it's concerning I think to see how flippantly now and it's not new like like law enforcement and, and that's not that's a broad term there that's everything from the feds all the way down to local pds this is not new 
you know, this type of concept that you can look at uh, some of the things that have happened in society previous to that, you know, as far as what local agencies do or whatever, but it's, it's concerning depending on who's sitting in office, what they're going to go after and whether or not you want it to be on someone's whim that you'll have armed agents threatening you over something that would have been kosher two years ago mm-hmm. or three years ago. Absolutely. So I, I, I think a lot of people, and this is coming from a cop, like I, I, I still have friends that are in law enforcement and I still have very warm, fuzzy feelings about some people that I do believe are absolute heroes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're exporting our human suffering to them so that we can have all the nice things we have in society. But there's also like a really alarming want for people to say, yes, I want the state to have the power to go and enforce people to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, dog, you can't give that, you can't take that leash back. Once you've let that go, it doesn't, it very rarely ever comes back. And, and I, I tell that for everybody. And I have, again, I come from a Christian perspective and there's a lot of stuff that I have qualms about, but I don't necessarily want armed agents of the state enforcing my personal beliefs onto other people. The same thing would it extend to the Second Amendment, or it's like you don't have to understand why I want to do what I want to do. It's legal, so like yeah. I don't understand why you're trying to push back on that. If it was previously prohibited, fine, we can have that conversation. But like this weird, like change in culture that you know what? If we want something to happen, we're just going to threaten people until they do it. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird thing. Like when I first started, even when I, I got in, I think it was a 2018 is when I started doing law enforcement, it was very different. I mean, there was a lot of laws that we had discretion on and there was a lot, there wasn't a lot of people demanding for us to go in and make people do stuff, but like mask mandates or like closures of businesses. And then this too is just as concerning where it's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, I don't know why armed agents of the state are showing up and intimidating me to do stuff or even suggesting it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Well said. Yeah. All right. So Caldwell. I've talked about it before, and I just recently got the flashbang hit indicator from Caldwell, which is freaking awesome, especially if you're doing long distance shooting. You know what I'm talking about? Very jealous. Yeah, it, that's so it's the like, coolest thing ever. <laughs> I know. Well, you could. I mean, it's it's actually really affordable too. It's only twenty nine ninety nine, and plus you would use the code and get ten percent off. But yeah. if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's essentially it's this thing that attaches to your steel target, and it flashes a light whenever there's an impact. And this is great if you're shooting like twenty two long rifle where you can't necessarily hear the impact, or if you're shooting even up to a mile, even with like five five six. What's also great about it is it lasts a long time. It takes three AA batteries, but it's supposed to last up to 5,000 impacts. And yeah, so it's like, I can't wait to try one of these. I haven't brought it to the range yet, but I don't know. I'm really excited about it. I think it's definitely one of those things where, you know, you're like, why didn't I think of, you know, developing something like that? Because we've needed it for a long time and just nobody's found a solution to it. And now we have a solution. Well, and an affordable solution. This is 30 bucks, man. I know. Like, this is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it's costing an arm and a leg. And now you can really make sure that you're hitting your target at that long distance without having to walk up and see if there's any paint removed from the steel or, you know, you have to have a friend like really listen or, you know. 
I guess even you could have a spotter so you don't have to walk up, but still it's like, this oh, is sure. just such a huge solution. So if you guys want to check it out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. And like I said, don't forget to use the code gunfunny10, all one word, and that's giving you 10% off. And to not upset the internet, because I live here, it says it can detect 223 hits at 2,000 yards. She did not say anyone shooting 226 out to a mile. She did not mean to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but visible up to a mile. Yeah, it's visible up to a mile. Like nobody's shooting five, five, six out to a mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Thank I you. got your I got your back. I appreciate I that. That way, yeah. you know, they don't come after me, the the little keyboard been, warriors. <laughs> yeah, I have been on the business end of that. I I you want to talk about a tough crowd? I the, the AR15.com, you get the like coding wrong. <laughs> Absolutely nuked. And I love them for that. They keep me honest, but I definitely I I hypersensitive to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, the cool product, though, I, I really think I think it's cool that it's also affordable. Absolutely, I think this would be like, especially for like suppressed guns. Mm-hmm. It's like I saw, I think it was Kentucky Ballistics, maybe or no, it was Alabama Arsenal that I think was shooting three hundred blackout out to seven hundred yards. Nice, and they couldn't even like see if it was hitting, so they had to use like a balloon just to see if they were popping the balloon. Cause they, that's how little energy there was at that distance. Wow. Uh, just cause 300 blackouts is not meant for that. Yeah. But it was cool to do. And this is, this is where that makes a ton of, yeah, we just slap that thing on the target, dude. And like, if you smoke the thing, it's 30 bucks. Exactly. Like, I know. You got people spending more on Tannerite that's mm-hmm. designed to get smoked. So exactly. Yep. Agree. Q and a, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is, are you going to do a Barbie themed gun? And I gotta admit, I'm kind of thinking about it. So, so many people are so up in arms about this stupid Barbie movie. And it's like, it's honestly, it's annoying me. And... I don't know. I'm like, unless people have actually seen the movie, I don't think that they can like be like, it's so woke. Like, oh, because, you know, the person that, you know, that you follow on this conservative, I don't know, platform says it is like people need to start thinking for themselves. And this is like throughout, like regardless of what side you're on, it's just it's really annoying. But I'm so like up in arms about everybody just hating on the Barbie movie and I wasn't like always the biggest Barbie fan. Growing up, I loved Barbie. My sister and I had sure. like every freaking Barbie thing there was. But yeah, I'm kind of thinking, you know what? Just to piss off the crowds, maybe I do get a Barbie thing. <laughs> maybe I do do a Barbie <laughs> Maybe I do have. Maybe yeah. we're going to bring back that pink after all. <laughs> I, I think um, one of the things I told somebody the other day, uh, so I'm in marketing, so that's what I do, right? Yeah. I, I develop stuff. I, I'm doing copy. You write, so you get it. Yeah. Right? I have this concept of it was not made for you. I tell this to people all the time. This was not made for you. Yeah. All these, all these guys hating on it. And I'm like, well, unless you've ever played Barbie as a kid, you wouldn't get it. Like they're like, well, the Barbie's not, you know, it has nothing to do with family and baby making. And I'm like, yeah, because that wasn't Barbie. Like Barbie wasn't made to do that. Barbie was a career person. And she let little girls know that, you could do more than just sit at home, be a, you know, a stay at home mom and like have babies. Not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Sure. It was just giving people options. And I don't know. Well, and I think 
if you want to abstain, like I'm not going to watch it, right? Like it's not made for me. Yeah. And so like, if I'm not going to watch it, it, then I don't care. Right. In a lot of those instances. And I think having, having a, making a political talking point out of anything and, and, and I will blame YouTube for this and I'll blame some influencers for this is that they make political talking points out of everything. Yeah. They'll do it over, you know, a box of Kellogg's. Right? Yeah. And, and to a certain extent I do. And again, I come from a relatively conservative set of values personally, like, right. Like I'm in a happily monogamous marriage, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm the most trad husband ever, if you want to call it that, right? Like my wife stays home and she writes for a living and, and that's what she gets. She doesn't, we don't have kids. And so we're, what are they? Uh, I guess we're a mink as opposed to a dink, a dual income no kids or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's, it's a, just because it doesn't align with me. I like, I don't drink Bud Light, right? Like yeah. I don't do whatever. Like I can have my personal, but I don't have to be like, outraged over it exactly i agree it doesn't doesn't have to ruin my day and unless you're actually seeing the facts about it like i'm not really a bud light drinker but now i'm like absolutely not i'm not shopping at target i'm not shopping at kohl's like i think you know especially after seeing the movie sound of freedom which i was surprised because i went with my girlfriend and she was just like she has two little kids and she was like i had no idea that sex trafficking was this big like that it you know it made so much money that it's like, and I was like, yeah, like even that, that I don't know if you saw sound of freedom, but like at the very sure. end, after all the credits and stuff, the guy, one of the guy comes on and he's like, yeah, we made this movie five years ago, but we had to jump through so many hoops yeah. to get it out into the public eye because they just don't, they're like trying to cover up that sex trafficking is a thing. And it's like, it's pretty eye opening. Like, well, who are these people that are trying to cover it up? And it's probably the people sure. that are like partaking in sex trafficking, either making money or having sex with kids. And it's just, it's so disgusting and eye-opening. And and I, and I dealt, I, the, the seventh largest city in Texas. And so we have I-30 that comes up from Houston. We yeah. dealt with human trafficking all the time, like all the time. And, and even some of this, people would consider it self-exploitation, but I was like, I'm finding 15 year olds from out of city at a Cowboys game hotel. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. Like exactly. it, 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 it's not, it's more prevalent than you'd think. Uh-huh. And so I think, I think the movie had, a, had a good point on a lot of that stuff. I think more of the problem, and I'm glad you mentioned it is that there's consumers like that. that if you didn't have consumers, you wouldn't have the trafficking. If exactly. it makes any sense that yeah. the, the movie, the movie, in my personal opinion, I think concentrated a bit too much on the trafficking portion of it. I was like, yeah. look, dog, we need to be catching Johns here. Like who's buying this? Stuff? Exactly. Uh, that's that's all I, mean? I kept yeah. thinking was like, yeah. I, in a way, I'm kind of glad I don't have little kids right now because sure. who would have thought that like, we have to worry about adults wanting to have sex with our children. Sure. Like these, what? these little children that I'm like, what are you even doing with these little kids? Like, yeah. I can't even wrap my mind around the amount of, like, disgusting, like, I know a lot of people cried when they watched the movie. I didn't cry. I just felt enraged, like, just and so disgusted with just people. And I think this is maybe where, to, to bring it back to the Barbie discussion and, and to, to come back to this, is I think that there is, and I understand some of the pushback on a lot of this stuff, because you'll see it. What was it? It was that stupid Netflix show that had kids twerking on it. Oh, Yeah. Was. I but forget. there's a yeah, there's a lot of these instances where they'll see. I call it line stepping, and so in propaganda, if you want to call it that, right? The whole idea is to normalize X, Y, Z, and and you can see a lot of this. Uh, like the board industry is a good example of this, where like 
now it's not just exciting to go see a hot girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they'll, they'll almost numb you to this idea not to get too much into the weeds and to try to keep this as PG 13 as possible. But like, you know, a little ARFCOM kid would see Ava kid and just be excited because she was pretty. Mm-hmm. But like, if that same young guy is exposed to pornography that whole time, he just can't appreciate. He needs to take it. Like right? You know what I mean? It, it, it now becomes, it, it, it becomes line stepping where now it becomes violence or now it, be, it needs to be more stimulating or exciting and they won't get normal stimulation and exciting out of the way that God intended us to appreciate each other. Right. Yeah. And so like, I think, I think there's a lot of smaller steps for people to get to whole on like human trafficking exploitation. Mm-hmm. But like, I can see where people might get upset about the littler steps Yeah, and they might see the trajectory of that. I think it's hard to know. Right. I, I don't know that like my little pony is exactly getting them all the way to that, but like, I can see where, you know, uh, what is it? Kid. What are they like a uh, beauty pageants or whatever where they have little kid beauty pageants where you got little girls yeah. put on a bunch of makeup and stuff like that i can see where or if you have you know sexualized sexual education for two-year-olds or mm-hmm. weird shit like that that stuff i would get upset about and that yeah. stuff i'd be perfectly happy with being vocal about but i yeah. think that you need to look at you need to look at the mechanisms that are allowing people to get this perverse yeah. And what's wild to me, and I think this is really a lot more telling about the individual as opposed to just the content. I don't want to blame the content. I don't want to just turn around and say, well, you know, the porn in and of itself is turning people into monsters. Porn's allowing the people that could be monsters to be monsters. I agree. If that makes any sense. Because mm-hmm. right? there's, pl- there's plenty of people that are consuming that that are not there doing that. Yeah. But I think, I think that it does say a lot about when you consume a lot of this type of content, the effects it can have on you and mm-hmm. the effects it can, you'll see it a lot of times. I'm a mid thirties man, right? So I'll get all of the commercials for hair loss and whatever, but they talked a lot about the reduction in testosterone in men. And then with women who were put on birth control at like 13 for acne or yeah. whatever, yeah. and like the crazy effects that's having. Yeah. Like long term on women. And there's a lot of those other things that I think we can get mad at. But then you go back to, like you said, the long term side effects of all of these things is eventually like the worst, which is human trafficking and kids being exploited. Yeah. I, I totally, you and I can have a totally different offline. I, I'm a wood chipper meme kind of guy when it comes to that. Yeah. It honestly, it made me want to like go into law enforcement and go after these people. Dude, it's it's a it is the one. It was probably one of the worst things I could have done for myself, psych, like psychologically, because I like convinced myself, and even for like my wife, like I had to go through riot season in 2020. I had to go through like a lot of people hating me for what I did, right? Yeah. And I, I wasn't doing any of the bad shit, right? Yeah. And I left thinking, okay, like I put that part of my life behind me, but then like, I'll watch that and I'll remember every once in a while, it wasn't all the time, but every once in a while I got to go catch a bad guy, like a really, like it was very clear cut. Like it wasn't a domestic where it's yeah. like 50, 50. Yeah. It wasn't like a shoplifter. Like this was like a piece of shit, like molesting a kid or something like that, that made waking up in the morning. And I didn't care if they ran. I didn't care where they ran. I didn't care what, what danger was it was associated with that it's like if i died to go get this guy it's worth it mm-hmm. because this guy doesn't need to be on the street or this person doesn't need to be on the street but yeah. like it that was not good for my mental health i was like damn it i, know. I gotta go i'm gonna go find some nonprofit that'll go let me do it right 
I know. Pretty right. crazy. All right. So, yeah, anyways, Barbie gun. So we got all fired I, up. I need one. But, you know, I also feel bad, like, talking about Barbie so much when I'm not even talking about Sound of Freedom. Because sure. I do think that that's something. Like, guys, if you haven't seen it, definitely go see the movie. Or even if you don't see the movie, I mean, educate yourself. Just Google sex trafficking and and see how, like how popular it's become and it's just it's yeah. horrible and like i said i'm glad that i'm not a parent right now because who would have thought that in this day and age you know that people have to worry about their you know like adults wanting to have sex with their children like it's just yeah. it's so it's something i can't even wrap my mind around but yet it is obviously very popular because they're making what it, i think at the end of the movie it said it's a 150 billion dollar industry oh, yeah. every year Easy. It's disgusting. So and, and that's probably a conservative estimate. I know. Would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, horrible. Yeah. And and I think if we if we could pull something away on the Barbie gun aspect of it or the Barbie movie aspect of it, it's just take a thought and take a moment to think of what is this marketing like I we make propaganda, right? Like we write for gun forums. I my propaganda is to be pro gun. We yeah. are, if if ARFCOM when I got hired on, they said we are unapologetically two A. That's it. That's our political stance on everything. Everything else, it is what it is. But that's so when I make marketing material, my motivation is to try to motivate other people to be that way. Mm-hmm. Consume media that way. Why is this person trying to bias me? Because they're always trying to do that. They're trying to bias you to one degree or another. And bias isn't a bad thing, it's a preference. But like it, it, what is the goal? Yeah. And if you watch the Barbie movie and think they're trying to convince you that you're, you know, you to do weird shit to kids, then fine. If yeah. that's what you think, have a strong opinion on it. Yeah. But if it's just like kind of annoying because it wasn't made for you, just let it go and let it be what it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, either way, it's important to have your own opinion yeah. about something. Yep. And for me, I watched the Barbie movie and I'm like, you know, <clears throat> aside from like one transgender Barbie that they didn't even, it's not like they called it transgender Barbie. Like I had to sure. do some research because I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a man. And then sure enough, it ended up, you know, that they showed like twice in the movie. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I can't really normally I'm like the the first person to pick up on, you know, just like some BS, you know, propaganda. But I'm sure. like, I it just I wasn't really hitting me. <laughs> Who knows? But all right, moving forward, Smith and Wesson. It's funny you said you have like the first gen MP shield because I yep. do too. And I do remember getting it when it was like really, you know, it was hard to get. It's the bee's knees, dog. It yeah. was, yeah. And I still have it. It's actually purple. It's not like obnoxious purple. It has like some Cerakote, like where they cut some little like window cuts in the slide and then they colored it purple inside the window. And then oh, I put on. Okay. It's kind of like a chameleon type barrel and I don't know. It looks cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I still have it. But yeah, anyway, so they have all kinds of stuff aside from like that SDVE, which I think they still sell. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I'm like, I'm honestly, I'm still like very much a big fan of Smith and Wesson handguns. And one of the things that I'd recommend looking at, especially if you're thinking about doing like competitions is their competitor. It has the five inch barrel with a nice long sight radius, milder recoil. The sear has been enhanced for a lighter crisper let off. It has a flared mag weld to help reloads faster, aggressive lightning cuts to reduce the weight in specific spots. 
It's optic ready, includes a fiber optic front sight and then blackout rear sights. The mag release is oversized and reversible. And then it has the same textured front strap and interchangeable palm swells that you would see like on that M2.0 series. And then it is the metal, although I think the metal actually only adds like maybe an ounce or something <clears throat> like that. But you could also get it in tungsten gray, which is my favorite, or just the regular black. And then it comes in either 17 round mags or 10 round mags if you live in restricted states. But best of all, you're getting all this in one package for just $999. Which compared to other prices, you know, well, that puts it very competitive with like the CZ Shadow. That's going to be like most competitive guns are going to be about that price. Like that. That's, I think that's especially. Isn't the Shadow like thirteen hundred though? Thirteen. Yeah. Well, I'm talking like so. I'm on the deals page. Shout out to my deals page. The lowest I've ever seen it is a thousand. Really? But like normally, like if you're just going to go try to buy it off the shelf, oh yeah, it's going to be like a fourteen hundred dollar gun all yeah. day long. Yeah. But you can thank you can thank people like PSA that are doing stuff for like dummy cheap. Oh, I know. Like I less know than what you could even get it for at dealer cost. I yeah, know. I'm like, I'm like, these guys are animals. But well, the, just uh, imagine. So if the competitor is nine ninety nine, that's just MSRP. So you'd find sure. it, you know, probably less. So who knows? Maybe you'll post think, a deal about I've it. Maybe I think the lowest I've maybe seen it's like eight eighty nine or something like that. It's like on a super sale, like Fourth of July, super crazy yeah, freedom, love freedom kind of sale. Yeah, it's still newish though. You know, like I yeah. think once it's give it like six months, and I think that. Because, you know, right when a gun comes out and it's still new and it's sure. not as readily available in all the stores and everybody still wants it. So and I tell you what, I think a lot of people sleep on Smith & Wesson handguns, but like the 2.0, I remember when the uh, five inch, like the first time it was their like flat dark earth five inch mm -hmm. like pistol. That thing was awesome. I bought one. I, I wanted, I was an idiot. And I thought to myself like, oh, I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to carry one of these. And then we <laughs> carry Glocks because of course everyone <laughs> carries Glocks. And I, it was like policy, so I couldn't carry it. Yeah. But I love that thing. I would prefer that over a Glock. I used to be Dude, all about Glock when day, I first started. Dude. And now like the more I'm like, I kind of hate shooting Glocks. Like I just shoot a Glock the other day, a stock Glock. And I was like, man, this thing is horrible. I carry a Gen 4 17 because I have just way too many rounds down the pipe. Yeah. To not carry that. I know I can shoot it, right? Like I I did it, I did it as a cop and then I outside because in my free time I would go shoot, right? Yeah. And um I just the, the next closest gun, I have like a tenth the amount of rounds downrange on it. So like it just makes it I carry it just because that's what I used to shoot a bunch. Mm -hmm. But every time it's like I'm the dumb kid that like sleeps on the floor and goes to like a crappy motel. I was like, Oh my God, this is what sleeping on a bed is like. Like it's yeah. so, it's so terrible. <laughs> we just did the uh, echelon review and I was like, this is what a shorter reset trigger feels uh, like. And I'm like, this is what ergonomics feels like. And it's like, that's funny. To a, to a regular shooter, it's probably not as dramatic, but I was like, dude, to me is like, I carry like an iron sided gen four Glock. Like, yeah. Anti on my gun. Yeah, totally. But, uh, I, it it's they, a lot of people sleep on these. Uh, I, I think that the uh, even historically, you can look at a lot of the classic, like even the sixty nine oh six series of like metal pistols that Smith and Wesson had, like back in the eighties and the nineties. Dude, straight hmm. fire! Like their handguns were top tier. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have any experience with any of the older guns, but you know, if you get if you get a chance, go find either like a sixty nine oh two or six. They, their naming convention was terrible back then. But like any, if you look at like all of the classic old like '80s action movies, they have old Smith and Wessons. They're like stainless steel on black, 
uh, Smith and Wesson hand. It was before Glocks were a thing, and it was either that or a Beretta's, which he carried back then. And it was like the cop gun. Hmm. It, they, they're beautiful. They're also beautiful, but also they were good hate guns. I'll have to check it out. In the meantime, if you guys want to check out the competitor, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, Springfield announces 2020 Rimfire. I haven't had a chance to look at this, but it sounds pretty cool. It's a new bolt action 22LR platform with a ton of options already available, and they made some pretty good calls on the design. Probably the best call they made was instead of reinventing the mag like companies usually do, it uses the tried and true Ruger 1022 design. It ships with Springfield's own 10-round rotary mag, but you can also use any 1022-compatible mag, including 25-round banana mags, drum mags, and you know much Based. more. Based. Yes. They used the same philosophy and selected a Remington 700-style trigger so that you can swap any of the popular 700 triggers out there if you want to upgrade. On the 60-degree bolt, they made the handle threaded so that you can change out to any target knob if you want. They also included a Picatinny rail, which is something you usually have to add on a rimfire rifle. From there, we get into the options with the first big selection of sporter or target style. Sporter has options for different grades of wood with lighter profile barrels. And the target has PRS style stocks and heavy threaded barrels. They've also done a pretty good job selecting popular upgraded options that you would do like on other rimfires while keeping the cost pretty affordable. The series starts around $434 for a synthetic stock, uh, like target model, and goes up to $1,034 for a sporter version with the fanciest grade of wood stock. Another thing, they guarantee one inch of accuracy at 50 yards, which is something that most of the shelf 22 LRs aren't capable of. And like I said, I haven't even had a chance to look at what this rifle looks like. But honestly, all of this sounds pretty good. Like I would probably buy one. So the um, this was pretty much taken after the uh, waypoint that they came out with. Um, I got to have some hand time, hands-on time with the Springfield Waypoint, and it was pretty squared away. Like it was a pretty cool. Paul, my boss, took it out to Vortex's long range class, mm -hmm. and he was shooting out to a thousand yards the thing. And it's like a it's in six five, so it's like a laser beam. But it's good to see people like continuing to push. Like, dude, a, a twenty two bolt gun, like a legit, like well made twenty two bolt gun for varmint hunting. Also, like for oh, yeah. stuff, for those of you that have tinfoil hats like me, like if you threw a can on that thing, like come mm -hmm. on now. <laughs> but like, I I, I like seeing. Uh, there's been a resurgence with shotguns too recently, where people are like, dude, a 12 gauge pump gun's like pretty badass, actually. If you yeah. if you really think about it, and so I, I think it was a smart call by them to go make it it's, at four hundred dollars. It's a pretty competitive price point to be like compatible with all of the aftermarket stuff already. Yeah. But um, there's going to be a lot of like, there's, I already hear the FUDs grumbling uh, in a comment section for this. Like, well, I would never, da, 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 da. Yeah. But they already own like 15, 22. So right. I know. I think, I think for like newer shooters or for just people that have never thought to go get a 1022 or whatever, I think it's like, it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I have a gun that doesn't cost a billion dollars to go shoot that I can like actually hit something with. You yeah. Get, put like a decent LVPO on that. Yeah. 
you know, like, dude, yeah. what a what a what a sick time. And, and also, like, for practical reasons, like, dude, you could stockpile five thousand rounds of like not crappy twenty two either, like decent twenty two ammunition. And technically, you could protect yourself. With that. Mm-hmm. It's not like the greatest option, but a hundred percent doable. Yeah, totally. I, I think um, the IDF actually uses twenty twos on their border with Palestine. Hmm. Like no, just because it's it's suppressible and quiet and do whatever. Not all of them, obviously, they have divorce and stuff like that. But like there, there are a couple of units out there that actually use twenty two perfectly. Yeah. Or heck, Garantham was just recently shooting stuff with a twenty two and being like, "Dog, I wouldn't sleep on this." Like, my man, that was coming out of a handgun. Yeah, my man Grantham. I actually was just talking to him this morning. He's going to come on my new podcast, PP Panel. He's so nice. We were also just talking about him because I, you know, I'm getting older and he's like, all right, we're going to start a reality TV show, a dating, you know, reality TV show. <laughs> him, him and his wife, Ashley, will be the host, kind of like Nicholas, you know, Lachey or Nick Lachey, That's, whatever. What is it? Uh, Love uh, at First Sight or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. It just oh, They've done so many of the stupid things. But he's like, yeah, we'll trap you with like 12 other guys, 14 shots at tequila and be like, all right, guys, don't do anything stupid leave you alone and then you know like yeah we were laughing about it that's Um, hilarious he's such a nice guy though but well that's cool yeah all right so now going through the show because josh you might be my longest podcast ever oh sorry (laughs) no it's good you're everything you're saying is is actually interesting so if you were just like running your mouth talking about stuff that i was like dude i don't think anybody cares shut up bro shut up (laughs) then i'd be like okay give me me a shut up i'm a long i'm a talker so you can tell me to shut up whatever you do all right well luckily we don't have too many more segments to go but we do have the af segment stupid funny Cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. That is Bass Pro Shops background check. So last week, Cecil Trimble took a fishing reel to Bass Pro Shop in Tampa to get spooled with a new line. While he was waiting, he wandered over to the gun counter and spotted a P365X macro that he'd been wanting for $800. He said he wanted it, filled out a 4473, and handed over his Florida concealed carry permit, which exempts him from the waiting period. He'd bought many firearms at Bass Pro before, so he expected to walk right out after paying. But the clerk came over and said, ATF has approved you, but we're denying the purchase. He was shocked and demanded to know what was going on. The salesperson told him a month ago his brother-in-law had tried to buy a firearm at the store but was self-denied on the 4473 because he must have misread a question on the form because it just so happens that his brother-in-law is also a concealed carry permit holder. The problem was his brother-in-law previously lived at his house and never changed the address on his license. He he asked how it had anything to do with him. And the clerk said it's their policy to not sell any firearms to anyone living at the same address as someone who has been denied, which I guess makes sense for like straw purchases, right? Sure. The only thing is, is that his brother-in-law hadn't lived there for three to four years and tried to buy a $200 revolver not the $800 P365 that he wanted. So obviously it wasn't really a straw purchase. Sure. The firearms manager agreed, but they couldn't get the GM of compliance to change anything. As it stands, anyone living at his address is barred from buying a firearm from Bass Pro ever again. 
it's completely ludicrous since, you know, you have no control over who may have lived there. So let's say you live in an apartment complex. I was so about to say that. Yeah. Somebody who lived there even a year ago, you know, obviously, you know, if you're living in an apartment complex, there's a lot of turnover. Sure. So that means that if somebody who lived there previously got denied and you have that same address that you can't get this firearm. And I get it. Like maybe Bass Pro is like being super cautious, you know, with like ATF cracking down on everything. But I mean, it still is kind of that's mean, a it, wild policy. Yeah. Like what, what if what if like it's like a PO box or what if it's like, you know, well, uh, you you uh, can't use a PO box on your 4473. Like oh, that's you're right. Yeah, that's I not allowed. Be able to do that. Yeah. But I'm still thinking, you know, more apartments or again, even if you know you somebody that an older home or something like that yeah yeah like maybe your Dang. home's 50 to 100 years old and <laughs> it's had a few owners like i don't know or, just... or if somebody used your like fraudulently used your address true like, you have no control over that they could just be like oh you know i'm gonna use ava's address whatever totally be a prohibited person and they mix it and yeah. now like you can't use your own home address like yeah, for a, ah, that's wild. I mean, it, what's also wild is that there's just no way to like. You can't like amend it. Like you yeah, can't go back like, and say like, can I fill out like an affidavit? Can I get like exactly like can I yeah. can I talk to somebody and like maybe explain the whole process and then you know because then I would think if somebody was doing a straw purchase, which means that you're buying a gun for somebody else in your name, I would think that they wouldn't go through those hoops just to do this they just go to another store or something so yeah i don't know it's kind of crazy and i have to wonder if cabela's also has the same policy because bass pro also owns cabela's but i, I think they should the figure this out otherwise they're going to be like the next dick sporting goods you know i was going to say and that it would hurt them more than it hurt dicks because nobody goes there for like yeah. soccer equipment right like yeah. that's like a whole corner of their store and yeah. also like probably a big part of their consumer base is gonna have beef with it and mm -hmm. saying like hey dog like i might not here to be buy a gun but i can go to academy to go buy my carhartt jacket yeah. or whatever it's gonna yeah. be totally i agree all right franklin armory All right, Franklin Armory, last sponsor of the show. So before the show started, you actually brought up Franklin Armory, their Reformation rifle. Yes. Talk to me about that because actually you brought up a really good point. You were like, yeah, I mean, Franklin Armory, like they're known for their binary triggers, but like they're doing some freaking awesome stuff that's like giving the ATF kind of the middle finger, if you know what I mean. So I'll give you the, the story of how I found out about this rifle, right? Super short. I'll be quick because I realize I'm, I'm making this a billion hours it's, long. It's cool, Josh. But, don't worry. I don't yeah. have to eat lunch or anything. <laughs> okay. I had a, a buddy of mine. Uh, he is a subject matter expert in firearms in the law enforcement circles. And he went up to the chief of his police department and he took an 80% lower that he had made himself. So there's no serial number, no nothing. He had put a binary trigger in it from Franklin Armory and used a Reformation upper and he handed it to him and he says, what is this? But it was also a 13 inch rifle. Mm -hmm. So like without the muzzle device to make it 16. And he's like, what's well, a short build rifle? And it's not, you know, there's no serial number. So like, it's obviously illegal. And he says, no, that's a shotgun. And he was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's got lands and grooves. There's no rifling in this gun. 
he's like, what? And he's, and obviously it's an 80% lower. So he milled it out himself. He didn't go to a manufacturer to sell it. He made it for himself. And so he got as many legal weird things about it, which is only doable because of the reformation. Right. And he's like, yeah, you guys clearly have no idea because nobody really knows. Like there's this weird enigma machine that is the ATF rules and regulations around firearms. But that was like, I remember hearing about it and being like, there's no way. Like, why would I buy a rifle that doesn't have rifling? Like, you're just literally throwing out an unstabilized bullet, but it's the principle that matter. And the fact that you would have a company that would say just out of sheer audacity, based on your rules, I'm going to make a shotgun that totally looks like an AR-15. Right. And not like some goofy, it shoots 12 gauge. Like, that is a 5.56 gun that I think is still like minute of man at 100 yards. Yeah. But because it doesn't spin the bullet, like that's, I don't know. They're, I've shot it. It actually shoots really well. Top like tier. for, yeah, you would think yeah. that like, oh, it's probably, you know, it's not so great, but it actually is. No, dude, top tier savagery. Like yeah. I, I like want to high five whoever the engineer was that was like, wait a minute. And they probably went to their lawyers and their lawyers were like, I mean, technically he's not wrong. Yeah. And then to also have leadership. That's going to be okay with saying, you know what, screw it, let's make it. Because you got to buy the tooling, they got to get the barrels, they're going to put them in guns, they're going to put them on their books as an FFL, right? Like, And they're going to say, these are shotguns. Yeah. I completely <laughs> agree. Like, what? And, yeah, I, and it, you're they, right, like upper management, like how many companies can you think of right now where it's like upper management, like even though the gun industry, you think we'd all be like, yeah, 2-8, like there's still kind of a lot of FUDs out there. There's still a lot of people are like, we just don't want any trouble. You know, we're just going to stay in our lane. And like, they're not pushing that innovation and they're not like, you know, like sticking up for what's right. And you kind of, in a way, kind of lose some respect for them. So I do. I have a lot of respect for Franklin Armory and everything that they do for our industry. Yeah. The the, the binary triggers is a great example of that. And and obviously there's some, there's some controversy around, you know, uh, single action but doubled motion triggers if you want to call them that or or self-resetting triggers or whatever but like i I think as an organization and you got a couple that are really going through the way uh, i've had a couple of other organizations that like they've come out publicly and they'll be like no our goal is to get as many rifles into many as many people's hands as we can Mm -hmm. you know and they'll either do it through price point or they'll do it like again from franklin armory standpoint they'll do it through innovation and say like hey we'll push the boundary of what can be done uh, in this until we get change. Yeah. I was like, we're just going to, they're going to have to sue us to death or, you know, we're going to sue them to death. And it just, it's just really cool. I, them and probably FPC are like the most based organizations from the ground up on saying like, nope, we're going to push back and, and purely for the sake of second amendment rights. Like it doesn't always make a lot of sense from a business standpoint, but like that's what makes it cool. Mm-hmm. I, not everyone probably has the luxury to do that, but I think it's badass that they do. Yeah. And you can use, what was it? Check it out. You can use AVA for 10% off. That, hey, there you go. <laughs> and that is AVA and 10% off franklinarmory.com. All right. So now it's time for iTunes reviews, which guys, last week I was like, if you guys are listening, I need you to write a review because people haven't been writing reviews. And I was like, do it for my birthday. Because last weekend was my birthday. And people came through. So I appreciate that. And thank you. All right. So two reviews. First one is Austin0712345. Titled Never a Dull Moment. Five stars. Just discovered both of your podcasts. All the episodes I've listened to so far. Amazing. Really informative. Funny. And answers a lot of questions that I didn't even know I had. 
Keep up the amazing work. Second is J Daniel dash TX for Texas. Hey. Titled Ava and Peaches, the best team in the gun world. Peaches is my dog, by the way. She's sitting on my lap right now. And so if you ever hear any like, like, I'm just like, Peaches, stop freaking licking. Like, she's like, <laughs> I'm like, people are going to think it's me. Anyways, five stars. I've been listening to Ava for years now, and she only keeps getting better. With the addition of Peaches, now the show is complete. Tune in every Monday to find out what they're up to and what caliber chihuahuas prefer. <laughs> oh. All right. So out of those two reviews, I want you to pick a lucky winner to win a prize pack. So either first review or the second. I got to go with the second. It's a Texas homie. I'm, well, I'm here from Texas. God bless them. And chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Chihuahuas are like so, the meanest dogs ever. I, I uh, My parents have two of them. Mm. It's, uh, it's Maximus and Shakira. Oh, that's hilarious! And, uh, the the you know I come from a Mexican household. It's Maximo something or another, and it's Shakira Chiquita Bonita. The other one. They're, they're they're top tier. Yes. Oh man, I love your parents already. <laughs> Ask them if they want to have a play date with. Peaches. They have a play date with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you enjoy the show, think about becoming a patron. You'll get access to our patron-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. Also, Blown Deadline, he's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. He's going to be the one that's doing my Barbie gun. I haven't decided if it's going to be a handgun or a rifle, but he is going to be the one who does it because he does the best in the industry. And then also want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Safe Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Ridings, and William Nave. And then King of the Patreon is Jon Snow. And Get out. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Jon Snow. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, thank you so much for this epic, longest podcast ever. Let me see what, what time it is. What's our timestamp? Oh, gosh. Okay, so it's an hour and 40 minutes, maybe with some Ooh. editing. It'll bump it down to like maybe an hour and a half. You know, for the longest time, it was Coleon Noir and I think 22 <clears throat> Flinkster were both tied. So now I have to explain to viewers that it's some random guy named Josh who has, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this random Josh guy talks a lot. Yeah. I, I, I was too polite he's, to tell him He's to worse up. than my Jewish grandma, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Josh, I really appreciated having you on. Thanks for everything no that you do. And thanks for your service as a cop, even though you don't do it anymore. I, I know that that's a hard job. And for all the other people out there in law enforcement, you know, I mean, I get it. There's bad people in every industry, but like there's still a lot of good people. And I do appreciate what everyone's doing other than ATF, except for the good ATF agents. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, there, those. There, there, there's a handful of those guys. I've met a there few. Is. Yeah. There's a lot of not ones. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. So can you just remind people once again where they can find AR15.com on, well, we know on the website, but also on website. social media. Yeah. So go, I, I would encourage you to go to the deals page if you can. Uh, that's definitely the biggest thing that I've been pushing for personally. So selfishly, I'll plug the deals page. But we are on Instagram at AR15COM. Um, and then you can see us on YouTube. We do have a news channel and a reviews channel there that we've been growing. And then uh, we are on Twitter where uh, you'll get all of my debauchery. I get to make all the wood chipper memes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then we're also on Facebook, uh, although I neglect that audience a lot, but we are on there. 
but hmm. I want to thank you for uh, having me on. It's been really cool to go and hang out with you and talk with you. But I also want to thank, I think there's a lot of people like yourself that are doing influencing the right way. That's the best way I could describe it. It's like you're being cautious about what people take your platform or take your influence to do. And you're not just kind of spewing out what I would consider divisive information or material and that you're really trying to encourage independent thought and, and critical thinking. And I think it's a lot more important than just getting people drummed up for clicks. Oh, and you. I think that coming, coming from, I do, I do propaganda. So like I'm, I'm the devil just as much as anybody else might be. <laughs> but like I, I really, it's good to see it. And it's really what made me interested in even doing this. The second you got onto Twitter, I was like, yes, this is more of what we need on these platforms. Well, thank I you. I that, appreciate that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people, it would be easier to do it the other way. I think I know. it would be a, a lot easier. You would probably make more doing it and mm -hmm. it would be a lot less complicated to to not have, I guess, like a moral compass or purpose behind your efforts here. But I, I, I of, of the people that do it, I can honestly say from an outside person looking in that it's like, hey, thank you for at least trying to go through the paces and trying to be both self-critical, but also critical of what you're allowing yourself to be associated with. I think it's a, it's an admirable thing. Oh, thank you. It's something that keeps me up at night every night where I'm like, I could be making so much more fucking money, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's fine. No, <laughs> no, actually, I don't really think about it anymore. It used to bug me and I used to get annoyed when, you know, like people that are doing half the amount of work or like showing their body off. And I'm like, yeah, I could be doing that. But sure. it's just, it's not even something that I even think about anymore. I'm happy where I am. So I got you and peaches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. And thank you, Josh. And you guys will hear from me next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>